0: The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Howdy. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew.
1: Hello, Dom.
0: Uh, so, uh, one of the we, we talk about we talk about technology news from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And one of the things we Catholics do is we think about um so one of the, one of the things we think about not all the things we think about is the the end with the the end of our uh, our life preparing ourselves to meet our maker to 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 see god and hopefully spend eternity with him in in bliss in the beatific vision um but but, but we have to consider the people we leave behind <laughs> and what that's uh, this is a long way about to get to our topic which is how to prepare our digital lives for the people who will survive us, and I, I don't intend this to be morbid or or uh, at all you know a downer, but the fact is is uh we we all we all need to be ready. We know no one, none of us know the day or the hour that our time will come. Uh, you know it doesn't always come with a you know a, a six month or a year or three year prognosis. Sometimes you, you step off a bus, uh, a curb in front of a bus, uh, so we always have to be ready. Um, we have to be spiritually ready, but we also have to be ready uh, in in the practical aspects of life. And the reason I say that is, is we one of the areas we have to be ready is in our technology, in our digital life. We, we we're we're online more than ever. We're digital more than ever before, and those things are important. And so we have to be ready to hand those things off to to whether it's a spouse or to uh, other family or to friends who will take care of that stuff for us afterward. So, so Pat, you suggested this topic, I guess, because you probably work with a lot of people who are concerned about this, right?
2: Yes. uh, A large number of my clients are above 55. And so I have been helping teach a class for this age group on getting your digital life in order. And have been working with a lawyer and another woman who is used to doing a lot with photography. Hmm. So this topic has been on my mind for the last year because I've been helping teach this class. And it's been a hugely popular class. People are asking us to set up additional sessions more than what we had had because they realize I don't have a clue what to do with my digital stuff. So I try to lay that out for them, uh, basically in terms of people getting access to their stuff, but also social media and and what to do. Looking at that, it really was prompted by a situation where I had a lady whose daughter committed suicide, and she was mm. frantic to get all of this stuff done, right. and so that was what put me on the, uh, the this path.
0: Father Andrew, you're you're a younger guy. You're you're obviously single. <laughs> uh, so it's not like you have a you you have like a spouse that you need to take care of but I I I would guess that this this might concern you as well right
1: Yeah absolutely um I ironically enough yeah I'm 30 so I'm not anywhere near to really thinking about this kind of thing but with all the uh passwords and accounts for the various uh websites and social media and credit card and bank and all of that kind of stuff that I just have on my, on my, on my phone. I have occasionally thought of, well, what would happen if I just, if I died, you know, and it, it was my time to go and what would happen. And so I'm actually really thankful for this, this tip because I, or our, our show today, because I kind of wondered about this kind of stuff, but figured oh, I've got plenty of time to, to kind of <laughs> put this together before I need to worry about it. Um, but it's definitely something that like, um, eight years ago, my my aunt died from complications to lung cancer, and I got into the realm of this whole world because we were wondering what to do with her Facebook account. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there was no legacy contact, but there was a way to memorial memorialize the the page. And so I entered a whole new world when I started to figure out well, what does Facebook do when someone dies? Right. And so it it has been on my mind often on, but. Definitely, this is going to give me a lot more to think about and even something to to give to my mom and dad, who typically, you know, they're uh, what they've done is uh, safety deposit box at the bank. Right. But more and more, everyone is swapping over to to the online accounts and and all of that stuff. So I'm pretty sure they'll they'll really appreciate this sort of a, a show as well.
0: Honestly, I think diocese should begin to prepare presentations for priests on how to deal with this stuff, because they are going to need this information for their family members that who have mm-hmm. to take over for their for their stuff, their estate when they're gone. Um, yeah, because they don't have a spouse who's sitting in the wings ready to do it.
1: Well, and you, you point out something really important there that, yeah, like my mom and dad share accounts in all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I do not share my account with anyone and not that I want to be secretive about anything, but. I have no reason to share my account with right. anyone as a spouse or a, a child or, you know, I could do something with my brother, but that's still a separate sort of entity. So, yeah, you're absolutely right there.
0: So let's get into it. But the first thing tip the the suggestion is, is perhaps to, uh, well, you know, everyone should be using a password manager these days. I mean, that's a that's a pretty basic technology tip It is uh, you should be using unique passwords for every sign in that you have. I, I have to be honest, there are some things that I use uh, an easy to use password for stuff I don't really care about, like uh, my sign into a to a newspaper. I, I'm not really I don't really care if someone hacked that, uh, you know, go go read the Boston Globe on my account. <laughs> Woo! You know, I mean, uh, uh, but go for it, <laughs> yeah, but, but for the most part, you know, you for the important stuff, you want a, a password manager and most password managers today allow for family or team accounts of some sort. Uh, so I use one password with my w- my wife Melanie, and we have a shared vault where all of the important passwords are kept. Uh, the, the you know the bank account and all all that stuff. I also have my mom, my elderly mom. I have her on my one password family account, uh, and she's not in that shared vault. The they call it the vault is the storage place. Uh, she's not in that shared uh, library of passwords. I have a separate one with her so that if when my mom's time comes or something happens, I can have access to all that stuff without having to go through you know sending in uh, you know death certificates and all that sort of stuff or, or what have you. Uh, I, I can just log in and take care of things as necessary. So, um, so that's one thing. So if you, so if you know ahead of time um, have these shared accounts uh, and a password manager. Uh, do do is that is that what uh, either of you do? I mean, do you do do you both have password managers? Father Andrew, uh, I assume.
1: Yeah, I use I use one password as well, and I didn't even realize that there was this emergency contact sort of feature of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I was that's
0: something I separate. Was sort of, yeah,
1: yeah. I was disappointed to find out that that's part of the subscription fee, though, which I don't pay. Right. But um, yes, I definitely use one password.
2: And I use LastPass, and I've tried Dashlane and a couple of others. And uh, LastPass, if you're an individual, not part of a family, they have an emergency uh, contact thing where you can set it up, and I've got two of my kids that are signed up to get my passwords when something happens to me. Uh, I do understand that there's a family plan. I have not set that up. For people who are, are individuals, Having somebody that they can share a family plan with to be able to get to the stuff would be a way around the problem of yeah. of uh, not having a password uh, emergency contact. Because from what I understood, one password the last time I looked, there was no way to do that. So they told you how to print it out and save it with your you know your stuff. They, right. they would not give you any help.
0: So there's two different things, right? There's there's the share there's the one password for a family or teams. Teams is intended for businesses. Uh, family is intended for family members. And I'm, I'm going to guess that family is fairly loosely defined if it would right. include your brother and a sister. And you can uh, split the cost or however you want to do it. But even for individuals, so you could have this uh, emergency, what they call an emergency kit, which is basically it's a printout where you put, you write down your user log, you know, the, the administrator login. Email you the uh there's a hashed there's a long secret code the, a unique secret code and then there's your password and then there's a uh, a QR code that you can scan to get in and then it's it's something you print and store in a safe secure place preferably a fireproof safe that someone else has the combination to <laughs> that sort of thing because that all, all these things you got to make sure someone else has. And access to it, uh, in, and get to
2: easily, not yeah. in a safety deposit box that would you'd have to go through hoops to get to.
0: Right, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Is check the the laws, and we'll talk about that in in a, in a sec too about, about safety deposit boxes and storing things in them. Uh, so, uh, so that's one password. Then there's the uh, this other thing that that LastPass does, which is you can designate it an emergency access contact, who a person who th- will can contact them and request. You say activate that basically saying something has happened and I need the emergency access. And so it's two different approaches to a similar thing. And that's, that's different from the shared account sort of stuff. Uh, so it's, but it's two different approaches to, to a similar thing. And, and which one you choose really depends on you and what what you prefer, um, and, and what works best for your situation. It's good that there's different, different approaches. Uh, so, so there's that, uh, Dashlane has a similar emergency feature to LastPass. Um, one thing to keep in mind with passwords is two factor authentication is big now. Okay. And it complicates things, though. It does. Yes. So you need both the password and this other code that's constantly changing. And usually that code is running in an app on the person's phone or their watch, like I have. Um, and if you don't have access to the, if you need, The code to get into the 1Password, to get onto the phone, you can get stuck. You have to think these things through logically. What do I need in order to get started here? One of the things that 1Password does is it can generate the two-factor codes in the list. So you can have it store the password, but also keep the the two-factor code in the same entry. Some security researchers say that's a bad idea because... It means your password and your two-factor code are in the same place and someone wants to break into it. one of those things. It undermines the whole point of a two-factor. I think you still get more security than if you don't have the two-factor at all. But I think it also is, uh, means that if someone else needs to have access, that two, if they can get into your password account, they can get to your two-factor codes at the same time. What do you think? Uh, what would your opinion be, Pat?
2: Well, my question is, is I thought that the two-factor codes that get generated in my Authenticator app or in whatever it is, that those were disposable, that they aren't good later.
0: Well, no, so there's a there's a authentication, there's a two-factor generator built into 1Password.
2: Okay, that's specifically for that app. Okay, right. I'm so thinking about most people don't have that, so, right. yeah.
0: I don't know, I, yeah, I don't think LastPass incorporates that into the app. So 1Password does. So at the time that you set up your two factor authentication you you do it the same way you normally do where you you um you you, you uh take a picture of the QR code but this right. one uh, one password can do it through on your like your desktop computer it puts a little window up and you put the window over the code and it reads it. Okay so that's
2: it's an emergency code not exactly a two factor no, authentication. No, no it's it's right.
0: still the regular two factor authentication. Okay. so with at the time. So say I'm setting up two factor authentication on Facebook for my login. Right. And it says, okay, now uh, use your use your uh, authentication app. So like you might use Google Authenticator on your phone or one password. Use that app to take a picture of this QR code to to get started generating the two factor uh, authenticator code. So you could use one password to do that. And now every 30 seconds in your one password, it will it will. Throw up the new code because it's constantly regenerating it every 30 seconds. So One Password be the would be the way of doing that. So instead of instead of having Google Authenticator on your phone or in addition to it, um, both codes are because of the it's an algorithm. Both codes will always be the same in Google Authenticator and One Password. But because it's in One Password, it means that whoever has access to your One Password passwords will always have access to your two-factor codes.
2: Okay. Well, the other thing for those people who aren't using that, I also suggest that, you know, wherever they're keeping their will, and that should be in a place that all your family knows where it is, uh, in a file drawer or whatever, in a folder right beside that, you say, here's my LastPass password or my 1Password master one, and I'm using my phone as my two-factor authentication, and here's the code to get into my phone. And for me, it's also, here's my Apple user ID password in case uh, they need that. Right. So those pieces of information should be right beside the will. Right. So people can get to them.
0: Right. That's true. Uh, father, father, so what do you think? Is it, is it a – do you think that doing this, putting the one, the two-factor in the same place as your regular password, is it – is that a – so we're weighing things here. Is it the, <sighs> the, the, the lowest security
1: uh... – I, I I guess I'm okay with it. I think there comes a point when you can be overly cautious and yeah. it can just cause confusion. Right. And sure, if someone is really tech savvy and smart and wants to steal your information, sure, they're going to know what to look for and they're going to find it and they're going to pull it and you're, you're going to be compromised. Sure, right. absolutely. But if you're putting this particular document in a locked safe that's, you know, fireproof and it's for your family and it's in the basement of your mom's house. You know, I just I think the risk is is fairly low Mm -hmm. for someone to go in knowing exactly that that's what they need to look for. And that's the code that they need. And I think the likelihood of someone stealing my information because I've got the two factor code along with the master password in the same places is just uh it's i think it's just being overly cautious okay and I would rather, especially for something like that, if I when I do die, I'd want it to be as simple for those that are trying to figure out my accounts and passwords as I can. I, I don't want them to have to try to jump through all sorts of extra hoops and right. know how to unlock my phone and whether I left my pin code for them. And like, that's just uh, I think that can be more frustrating than it's worth,
0: especially when someone's in a grieving process to. You, yeah, you don't want to burden people. Yeah. So let's talk about the storage of stuff. We we kind of touched on it. So safe deposit box is probably not the best place to store pretty much any of your your estate planning documents, your will, and that sort of stuff, because in most states and and in most countries, uh, you can't get in the if, unless you're the owner of the box. You can't get in unless until the the estate has gone through the courts, which you can't do until they have your will. <laughs> right. right. So, uh, you you. Probably should either. So either you have the safe deposit box e- jointly with someone, which if you have a spouse, you know, that might be, although you have to consider what if there's an accident and you both die, die right? So you yeah. got to be careful of that. that. Um, so other places, uh, like we mentioned, a fireproof uh, safe that someone else knows how to get into, uh, like, you know, fireproof, waterproof safe in your house. Um, file it with your, your attorney who helped you create it. They can hold on to it for you. Any other ideas uh, where such things could be
2: uh stored?
1: I now, know this is Oh, go ahead. Pat. I'm just
2: going to say uh we had one client that was talking about having a copy of their word, will digitally so that somebody could get to it. Hmm. And that's nice if the person who's trying to help you uh do your estate stuff Knows how to get to the digital copy and where it is, et cetera. So I always tell people, yeah, it's fine to have a digital copy, but you really need that paper copy.
0: You can't. You can't file a digital copy with
2: the court no, either. It has to be, yeah, yeah. And I think at least with our lawyers, they keep the copy, but we keep the original of the will. They do not want to have the responsibility of right. keeping the original. Right. So the court can go back to them for proof that it was filed and a copy, but. But, you know, you wouldn't want to give them the password manager stuff because that's, again, somebody's not going to know where to look. Right. Who to ask at that point.
1: And I was just going to actually I was going to say the same thing as Pat. I just uh, I think that you could do a digital uh, file of it, although I think that's less secure and less uh, less ideal. Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Right. You have to think about if you're going to store any stuff in in the cloud, you know, where is it? How can someone get at it? Is how is it secure until it's needed? That sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And so you gotta right. you gotta think that through if you're gonna do that. Um but there are ways there are ways to store things in the cloud securely that so that someone else also knows how to get it, but you gotta you gotta think that through somewhat. The you can't just throw it into Dropbox from iCloud and expect it to be accessible.
1: Right. Or if you wanted to go <laughs> old school with yeah. air quotes there, throw it onto a USB flash drive or something and put that in a safe place.
2: Right. But again, uh, that would be good, but they are tiny. They can get lost and they can, they can die.
1: They can get corrupted. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. So yeah, if you had multiple things where you had, oh, I've got got USB drive in my filing cabinet and I've got my copy of my will and I've got whatever, then you're, then you're better off. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. All right. So let's talk about, you know, what is some, some specifics like, so say someone your loved one dies and they're they're everywhere they have a Google, they have a Gmail account, they have Facebook, Twitter, I you know, iCloud, they have an iPhone, um you know, I you Apple photos that they've got all over the place, they have a um Microsoft OneDrive, LinkedIn account, you know, how, how do we Shatterfly? deal with yeah, yeah, how do we how do we deal with all that? So uh, the first one let's talk about Google. Like um Pat, what do we what? How do we prepare for? Because everyone's got a Google account at the themes. How do we prepare Almost. for that? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. There's uh, Google has an inactivity account manager that uh, I've set up, and I've helped a lot of my clients set up. That basically says, okay, you can have up to ten people that you can designate as your inactive account manager. And Google every few months, if you haven't signed into your Google account it starts ticking and says, Okay, are you still there? It tries to contact you with your text. It tries various ways to get a hold of you. And after a certain amount of time, those inactive account people get contacted and said, Okay, I we can't get a hold of her. It's your it's up to you now. And so uh as I say, they have up to ten people, so I could say, Dom, you get all of my my uh uh my photos But Stephen gets all my email, and Teresa gets all my my blog stuff. Or I could say all of them get access to all, which is what I what I'm doing, and basically saying just just let them have it all. Okay. Uh, But I think that more than one person is a good idea on that. So I've I've chosen two of the the uh, our kids to be our our legacy or our um, emergency. For, for Google,
0: and th- those person people can download all your data, all your data that you stored with Google. That's right.
2: Okay, they can download it all, or they can go in and close out the accounts. They could, you know, erase it. They could do anything as if they were me, okay. basically.
0: All right, that's that's good to know. I mean, that's you know, you, you, there's probably a lot of stuff that nobody cares about, like you know, decades of old emails with receipts of them and all that sort of stuff. But yet there's there's the possibility that there's important things in there that you'll want to look at later, you know, that, that will be nece- either necessary for your estate or just, you know, emails. Sentimental. You, sent, sentimental yeah. value. Right, right. You know, the, the, the equivalent of the bundle of, of love letters sent decades ago, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't have that anymore. It all exists digitally. And so maybe that's something else, a, a way for someone to hold on to that. So. Uh, Plus, there's
2: a yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say there's a big point about them needing to be able to get to your email because a lot of times people have gone paperless on billing. And so if you don't have access to their email, you don't know what accounts are being automatically drafted and being paid and stuff like that. So you really do need access to their main email to to track down some of that stuff.
0: It's one of the reasons I've I've moved to and and stayed with a Gmail address for all of my important personal business, uh, because Gmail is has these policies, but it, it and it's it's a known factor. If I had you know Joe Schmo web hosting where I have my blog and have to rely on them to let my wife at my email, that could be a disaster. Uh, th- yeah. This way, it's all in Google, and you know something happens to me, she will have access to all of that in google and it's not a problem
2: it's searchable it's easy to find that type of thing exactly yeah. exactly um so
0: father Angel, you mentioned that when you uh, you said your aunt passed away and you had to find out about memorializing her facebook account what was that all about what is memorializing
1: yeah so um obviously facebook is more or less our online persona and so uh when we die the facebook account doesn't go away or doesn't do anything um people could still post on someone's wall they could send them messages you know all those sorts of things um without even knowing p- potentially that that person had had passed away and so like uh with with my aunt um i yeah i had no idea what i was doing but i knew that something needed to be done with that account and ended up finding out that, that Facebook has this process uh, that will memorialize a profile. And so that just basically means that when someone has died, a uh, close family member, friend can request that that account be memorialized. And I think with my aunt, and I assume still so, you, you provide some sort of proof, a mm-hmm. uh, copy of the death certificate, copy of the obituary, something like that to confirm that this person has indeed uh, died. And then it turns that account that into um, it sort of locks the account. Uh, I think if uh, you can still post on on their wall, it has a instead of just their name, it has remembering and then their name along with it. So it becomes okay. sort of a, a tribute wall, a, a place for you to remember, share memories. They keep the same friends that they had, so they can still see the the page. Um, I think now, now Facebook has a way that you can have a a legacy contact for, um, so, so even right now you could set up someone to be a legacy contact for yourself. And what that would mean is that that legacy contact, when you die, they would have control over your account so they could memorialize it for you. They could, um, Add uh, new friends if if more people wanted to become friends to see the memorial memorialized page, um, see messages. I think, and those sorts of things to kind of manage an account after someone has has passed away. But it's a it's a really cool way to um, share memories to to kind of keep in touch with with family and friends, especially of a of a loved one of a of a family. Um, you know, I, I was actually just looking at my aunts today and, and had some of those same sort of experiences of seeing my messages that I sent to her, you know, eight years ago and, and even seeing the wall, um, her Facebook wall and, and, uh, cousins posting on it and, you know, just those sorts of things. It's a, it's a, it's a good way to, to be able to kind of, you know, share some of that in, in an online form, especially if family members are, are living far apart. So. Um, that's something Facebook, thankfully, is is now built into their their whole system.
0: It's fascinating because Facebook is such a part of our lives for many of us, you know that it that this company has figured out a way to let us. There must be I, I'm I'm so I'm kind of cynical about Facebook. There must be a, some sort of profit in keeping these pages alive or something. <laughs> these social graphs, sure. but nevertheless, it's nice to have this opportunity that the counts just don't disappear because it's hard enough when you lose somebody. That that if if the account disappears, so do all the photos that we've yep. tagged them in, and all the posts and all the comments and all that would go away. This keeps it all there, and it's kind of nice to have it there. And you you know it's one of the things it does is it's very easy to 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 assign a legacy contact. It's like three steps. It's really easy. Right. Everyone should do it, in that way. And if you are if you say you know what I want this account to go away when I when I die I want this account to to be deleted you can choose to have it permanently deleted when you when you die and to just be, so you do have the choice but uh, it's it's nice that you can do that not all of the the, the services we're going to talk about uh, will give you this opportunity
2: right and with Facebook your legacy contact can also like you could say I leave my account up for six months. And then the legacy contact could then delete it. Right. Which is different than you're just saying, I want it deleted upon my death. Right. So that's a, that's a nice alternative. The other thing about the memorializing, uh, yeah, if you can find a obituary online that you could link to, that's all Facebook needs to memorialize the account. And I've done that for a lot of my clients who have no one to do this for them. mm Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's just a kindness that you can do for someone,
0: right? And and for their friends they, that they may have left behind, far flung as they might be.
2: I think they've also made it so that if it's memorialized, people no longer get the birthday notices because that was a little disturbing.
0: Yes, oh, you know, hey, sure. it's
2: someone's birthday right on their wall. Well, maybe not. Right, <laughs> that makes
0: sense. That makes sense. I I bet. I think it said there's a few things that it no longer they don't show up in. Um, Sponsored posts. Uh, see, they don't appear in public spaces such as suggestions for people you may know, ads, or birthday reminders. Right. That's right. That's that's good. Um, so let's let's talk about the, then. There's to contrast that. There's Twitter, where basically the Twitter's policy is: well, if someone dies, this is how you delete the account, and that's it. There's no there's there's you know you can request the removal of a deceased user's account you can request the removal of an incapacitated user's account so someone is injured or ill, too yeah, Ill coma. to to use it right yeah. um and that's it there's no memorializing there's uh, which i i think kind of goes along with the ephemeral nature of twitter i suppose
1: yeah I mean, it's sort yeah. of come and gone and quick 144 character kind of life anyway right so
2: there's your there's your death in 140 characters <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. But I mean, like, like, if I'm going to go look at my pictures of a of a loved one, I'm going to go to their Facebook versus Twitter, right? It's much harder right. to kind of search through that on Twitter anyway. So Twitter's sort of a, yeah, here and God that and kind Snapchat
2: of thing. and WhatsApp yeah. and right. those things are pretty much ephemeral. I didn't yeah. check
0: Instagram. But since Instagram is a Facebook product, mm. I'm going to guess it's probably the same as the Facebook account. I didn't check it. I think I
2: From what I remember, uh, I think that 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 um, that they don't have a way to memorialize the Instagram. At least the last time I checked, I was going through them and mm -hmm. didn't see that. But they may have added it more recently. So
1: I just pulled up the help document on Instagram, and and it does say that they will memorialize an Instagram account. I'm going to add that to my list. Then it it looks like it's obviously very very similar to Facebook. You contact them. You require they require proof of death. Um, and then they will memorialize the account.
2: Great, because I'm glad to know that. Then,
0: excellent. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, you, uh, I, I checked with their customer service. According to them, they said the survivor can ask the, for the account to be deactivated. So similar. Um, you can, uh, and you could go there, and we could talk about a lot of different ones. There's actually a website. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes along with all these links um, from a a website called Everplans. They have a big list of how to close online accounts and services when someone dies. So, I mean, it's got A to Z, literally, of dozens of different uh, sites, but all conveniently located, which is great. Um, So if you have any specific ones that you're trying to find, you could look there. Uh, We should probably talk, though, about Apple's uh, terms because with Apple, um, we have iCloud, but we, we have Apple Music, we have Apple Photos. Um, we have Apple TV, Apple TV, and then messages, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this is not Notes,
2: r- reminders. Right. Yeah. All of that.
0: If you, and basically, um, if you don't have the password to get in, you, you're out of luck, basically. Uh, there is a, a, in the iCloud terms of service, there is no right of survivorship unless otherwise acquired by law. Your account is non-transferable. So you don't get, you, you know, if that if you buy the entire catalog of Beatles music, sorry, that dies with you, you
2: know? You can set up a family plan for some things, right. and in that case, your surviving family would still have access to it, but that's going to be harder to do with somebody who's not related to you, right. you know, so but right. that's another place a family plan could help. Uh, I'm not for, sure for for the app store for purchases and music and videos, et cetera.
0: Right No, I was trying to find where, what it said about photos and I didn't see it. So like a photo library. I think
2: that's, that. think they're gone.
0: Right. So again, if you, if, and this is, this is one of my big complaints about Apple, Apple service is it does not have a family photo library. This, I have right. had to set up a Rube Goldberg of a system in order to get my wife's uh, photos into our shared iPhoto library, which is on my account. Uh, it, it It's I, it's all through automation and Dropbox and all this sort of importing baloney. But the fact is there should be, and they tell you, well, you could share albums. Well, I want to share everything. All of our photos should be in one place, you know, of all the kids and all that stuff. Because if something happens to me, I want her to be able to get mm-hmm. to it all. It, you know, and, and that's why I need to make sure she has my password. It's it's really a frustration because, um, it, it, you know, th- these are our photos, <laughs> and so there should be. Right. I've said this for a decade. There should be a family photo library, and Apple needs to fix that. That is just. I in fact, I think Google actually has a family or a a, a you could share a whole library, right? Am I am I wrong on that? Google I Photos.
2: I don't know about that. No. I, I, that's not something I looked at. I just know that. Your Google Photos, you can have your legacy take them. Yes, but I don't think that there's a shared Google sp- Photo space that I'm aware of. So
0: that's why I have the I have Google Photos uploads all low res versions of our of our photos, like the the right. not the highest resolution, but all the lower resolution versions. The good
2: the gr- good resolution
0: as they call good, it. Exactly. You know? uh, uh, those are all uploaded to my Google account, so that again, if something happens to me, at least we have those. If she can't well, get into iPhone,
2: she could get to your Mac and she could get to the photos there and export them right
0: as long as she's as long as she can get to my mac but like say say I'm on an airplane and I have my phone my iPod, my my uh, ipad and my my laptop with me and the plane goes down uh yeah, that you got a problem that's a problem yeah, so uh now I have an iMac here on my desk so that, that that she can get in because of the apple two-factor authentication um if she had to it makes it harder. If she had to do two factors yeah. that would be difficult so Apple's got to improve their support here. That's an area where Apple is behind uh, a lot of other people on this.
2: So. Well, and it actually even extends to their hardware, because if your phone, if nobody has your code to get in your phone and they don't have your Apple user ID password, that becomes a brick. Yes. Nobody can reuse it. The only exception is, and this is what my, I had to deal with with my client, is if she had proof that she purchased the phone, even though it was her daughter's phone. Then they would not, she couldn't get to any of the contents. They would. But she could ask to wipe it. Right. And then she could reuse it. That was true for the iPad and the iPhone. The iMac, I could wipe. Uh, I, uh, I could, I could wipe that. But basically, there's, as far as they're concerned, those, and I think the newest version of the Mac OS will make it a, a a locked device also it so that you can't wipe it again unless you've got those things so that's a big concern
0: yes the the, if if anybody's watched the netflix series black mirror the most recent season this was actually a key element this idea of the survivors trying to get into your this, this this mom was trying to get into her daughter's it wasn't twitter it was you know whatever the big equivalent was her account um and this guy essentially had to take hostages in order to convince them to get to, to, to you know to try to get them to get the password, uh, with, I'm not going to spoil it. But uh, but the, I mean that's the thing. It's just like you you don't want to end up in a situation where someone is desperate to get into your account to to get what they can to to connect with you when you're gone. So think about this stuff. One of the things that I recommend, and uh, and I have to admit I haven't been as good with this as I as I'm going to, I'm about to be is this, it's, it's this, um, it's a notebook essentially that you can download. It's a, it's a PDF and an Excel spreadsheet called the big book of everything. And it, it's literally everything you, you download this and you fill it out and you will put all all, an unimaginable amount of stuff on this. Um, every password, every bill, uh, let's see, um, personal information, adoption information, pet information, previous addresses, your current resume, your employment history, school history, transcripts, military history, your credit report, uh, locations of all your documents, your emergency plan, travel information, uh, information every safe and storage, bank accounts, investments, retirement plans, uh, um, all your liabilities and outstanding uh, obligations and debts, everything about insurance, everything about medical history, uh, all of your final arrangements information i mean soup to nuts this this is literally the big book of everything uh i wonder if you I, have
2: time to fill it out <laughs> right you, you should start
0: now i mean it's it's 55 pages and then you could put in other things like your passwords and your other stuff like your like the the password um pages i mean there's stuff for that in here there's actually places for some of that
2: in here but you know you could some of it changes too often to put, to actually write it in there you just right. have to attach it right. somehow.
0: well right. that's that's the, what i was going to say is so first print this out and fill it out and also maybe put a digital version somewhere of it uh you know online in an, in a cloud storage place that's secure and safe from prying eyes and then every 6 months or a year i mean 6 months is probably better but every at least once a year go back and check it and update it because your information changes over time. Um, you should be doing this. I mean, it's a sound like a pain in the neck? Probably. But, you know, hey, suck it up and do something nice for someone for when you're not there for them. That's really right. that's really what it's about. This isn't about you. It's about the people you leave behind. So print it out, fill it out, review it every year, keep it up to date. So it's the big book of everything. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's at ericdewey.com. Um, he's been, he's had this online for years now and he's been updating it on a regular basis too.
2: So anything we missed on this or? Well, one other comment, you know, we're Apple fan people, I know, but there are Android people out there and with an Android, you can wipe the devices without having to know what the password is. You can't get into them, but you can wipe them. Right. So that would be something you could say, well, so-and-so gets my, my pixel. Right. Or whatever.
0: Right. Um, I want to be buried with my iPhone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> rosary in me. one hand and iphone <laughs> in the other
0: uh so all right so folks if you have any uh thing you want to add to this discussion anything we missed or any questions that we might try to answer in a future show uh you know we're, we're not lawyers we're, you know so we're, we can't answer estate planning questions but any technology related questions we could try to answer them please let us know or technology at sqpn.com We'd love to, to do what we can. It's an important subject that I don't think it's talked about often enough in technology circles. Uh, and so uh, let's let's have this conversation on a regular
2: basis. Uh, one other comment I wanted to make is we did have a lawyer in with us mm-hmm. with the, uh, the te- classes we were doing, and she made a big point of saying it is not illegal for you to use your password from your wife's account to get into her account if she's not available. Right. It's against their policies. But don't be afraid that you're going to be doing something illegal by using their password. That's a good
0: point. You're not a hacker if you're just (laughs) going into their account. Uh, Excellent. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of the StarQuest Production Network, with a special message seeking your support. StarQuest needs your help. Over the past year, we've grown by leaps and bounds. Every month, we produce dozens of shows covering numerous topics And all explore the intersection of faith and pop culture, which is the core of our mission. Some, like Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, are among the most popular shows StarQuest has ever produced in all its thirteen-year history. And our newest shows, like American Catholic History, are catching fire with new audiences. We're fulfilling our mission of evangelization in a whole new way, but that success is in danger. We must reach the financial break-even point if we're going to continue. Creating, editing, producing, distributing, and promoting a dozen shows have caused our expenses to rise and we are no longer making ends meet. We're rapidly eating through our reserves, and soon they'll be gone, and we'll have to cut back many of our shows. We might even have to shut down altogether. That's why it's crucial we hear from you right now. If you haven't yet become a supporter, please do so now. If you are a supporter, please prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. Please visit sqpn.com give today and click the Become a Patron button to make your monthly pledge. Or to give a one-time gift, click the donate button. When you become a patron, you'll have access to exclusive benefits and several special thank you gifts for supporting StarQuest at different levels. The need is urgent, so please go to sqpn.com slash give today. Thank you from all of us at StarQuest, and God bless you. May we hear from you today? So I I do want to run through some some headlines quickly in our next segment, Uh, some interesting things that have come out in the news over the past few weeks as we as the summer comes to a close here in the northern hemisphere uh, and the fall's about to begin, we're gonna get a lot more tech news coming, a lot of uh, releases of new equipment and devices and that sort of stuff. but uh, so the summer has been a little slow, but there has been news and one of the first bits of news was Google is talking about and has been talking about for years, frankly, uh, but they're really ramping up the talk about replacing passwords as a means of identifying users and in fact they're talking about the we're pl- they're planning to um take uh, 1.7 billion android users off of passwords uh very soon uh, you know now quote unquote whatever now actually means uh, what do you think of this uh pat what what do you think of the, of the, this drive to get rid of passwords presumably replacing well. with biometrics i guess right
2: well, there's there's lots of different ways. The authenticator apps are one way that they're talking about doing it. Uh, Microsoft's already saying that, and Yahoo's already saying that, that that uh, you can use your username and an authenticator app to get into your uh, machine mm-hmm. or to get into your account or whatever. Not all of them have been converted, but Microsoft's pushing it hard, and Yahoo's been pushing it hard on their email account to say, you don't need a password. Just type in the code you've got that we sent you on your phone. Right. And so I I think with the horrible amount of password breaches, we've got to do something else. Whether it's biometrics is a problem for people with pa- uh, fingers that don't keep the ridges as they age. Yes. There's other issues with facial recognition. But authenticator apps seem to be at least something that most people, if they're having a, a digital device, could get access to
0: as long as they don't lose the device or have it break or that's true
2: and there there needs to be another way that uh that they can get in and say here's who i really am Mm -hmm. in other words that's not the the last frontier there are other ways than that that for instance like uh with yahoo if you can't if you can't get the authenticator code maybe you've got a second email. Or maybe you've got a second uh, phone number that you could call with Facebook. It's give us a list of your seven best friends and we'll, you know, uh, we can go check with them and see if this is really you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a a really good idea. Uh, Father Andrew, what do you think about this drive to get rid of passwords?
1: I I think it's where we got to go. I I get a bit nervous with all. Yeah, again, with all the data breaches and the, the list of lists of millions of passwords that have been compromised um you know so something's got to happen and passwords i my use since i use one password i don't even hardly know what my passwords are but they're super long and super complicated you know but if someone gets hold of that that you know string of characters they can well they can't get into my facebook because i have two-factor authentication um but i had someone try to attempt to log into my account just about a week ago and it just kind of rattled me a little bit. Um, and of course they couldn't get in and nothing happened, but it was just, and I immediately changed my password, but I think biometrics is, is kind of the natural way to go. Uh, it seems like with face ID and with the, the fingerprint scanners, but, um, obviously there's complications there and it's not going to work for everyone. So yeah. I'm interested to see where this technology goes, but I, I'm excited for it too. Cause I think it has to go somewhere.
0: Security, I've heard it said, security can be something you know, a password, something you are, biometrics, or something you have, uh, an authentication device. And so, and right. be- best is two or three of those things, but, you know, mm-hmm. right now we're reliant on the worst of those, which is the thing you know, which means someone else can know it too. Uh, yep. So that's, yeah, we do have to fix that. Uh, so our next headline is uh, the... The, the, I love the headline. The guy who built Twitter's retweet button admits maybe that was a really bad idea. <laughs> that was that's from Gizmodo. Yep. And uh, they talk about this guy. So for, for for those of you who haven't been around forever, like like I have uh, Twitter, <laughs> when it started, didn't have retweeting or even at mentions. It was just a broadcast service. He just spoke into the ether. Uh, all those things were added later and hashtags as well. Those were new. Uh, but the guy who who wrote it, his name's Chris Weatherell, and he says we might just have we might have just handed a four year old a loaded weapon, is how he phrased it. Uh, that at the time that he invented it, and he says I th- that's what I actually think. Now, one of the things he says is it they thought it was going to be a streamlining a process of people sharing interesting content, but now it's become a way of uh, of spreading bad. Information. It's just. In fact, the misinformation and bad and, and intentionally bad information spreads at an incredible rate through retweets. Um, what do you think about that? Is you know does the does the good outweigh the bad with the retweeting? I mean, can you imagine a world where you where sharing a tweet is 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 not easy? Um. what is Oh
2: well, copy and paste. You can use share it that way. We did know. used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe that's what we do need to do is kill the retweet.
1: <laughs> what do you What do you think, Father? I yeah. I actually. I well. I sort of feel hypocritical because I do use it on occasion, <laughs> but I I agree that I think it's it's. Sort of a, the lazy way out of it, and it and it makes Twitter feel like high school and the drama. And let's right. just we pick out one bad thing about someone, and it spreads like wildfire or fake news or you know whatever it is. I I was reading the article and it they they talked about the whole point was like if there's uh, natural emergencies, if there's earthquakes, if there's fires, it's a it would be a handy way to get the information out there quickly to be honest, I don't see any of those sorts of things spread on Twitter. It's right. always the, 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 the slander. The, yeah. The, yeah. just the bad stuff and Twitter. I, I like it, but I find it, uh, a toxic sort of environment too, depending on who you follow. And even if you're following good people, there's, yeah, it's like walking into junior high all over again and you're just bombarded by everything and okay, <laughs> I'm just going to get out of here for now. And what is,
0: um, one of the things I hate yeah. is is how the news media treats number of retweets as measure of newsworthiness. Oh, if yeah. so, if a, if a tweet gets uh, 50,000 tweets, that means it's important.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: It, it means 50,000 it, people click the button. That, that
1: <laughs> it's, it's interesting how that does, though, at least um, have some sort of influence in terms of public opinion. Like I was following some of the 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 news on the the sonic the hedgehog movie Yes. Yeah. and when they released the trailer of it sonic looked horrible <laughs> yes. and the fan outcry was so much that they have vowed to redo the design for sonic and i'm sure you know twitter played a huge role in that and all the outcry that came out of it so right. uh, it's influential i don't i don't think it's necessarily good influential in most cases but it is influential at least from a pop pu- pu- uh cultural perspective
0: i suppose it's debatable whether it still would have been influential if it wasn't retweeted as opposed to people just expressing themselves sure uh, sure you know with the hashtag say uh this gun got hashtagged by a million accounts
1: (laughs) but you find that you find that one meme that like captures the essence and that gets retweeted and retweeted and retweeted
2: it does now didn't was it twitter or which one it was that was getting rid of the likes on on hmm. the um the oh. the tweets too i think it's
0: twitter that's it? that's a, that's thinking of and probably going to get rid of likes
2: Which, right because and- again it was it they said that it was used so much for bullying and for things like that were negative that they said it's it's not doing what we hoped it would. That's really so they weird. We're talking about getting so rid of it.
1: I I thought I I'm not sure what Twitter's doing, but I think Instagram was thinking about removing the number attached with the likes, not necessarily removing the like button, but removing the the number. Oh,
0: okay. Maybe that's so, what I I was So it would do the
1: same thing that you'd know that people liked your photo but you wouldn't know how many hundreds or thousands or 10. That's liked actually your
0: photo. a big deal. I I've, like I've I've seen articles talking about like like in middle school girl circles you know, that yes. a lot oh, yeah. of self-worth is poured into how many and who liked this photo I took of myself, that sort of stuff, which it seems so silly to us as adults, especially as adult well, men. But
1: it's but it doesn't either, yeah. because I I when I was in high school, we had my space and I remember, gosh, I mean, I feel so immature for thinking, you know, how I was, you know, 15 years ago. But it offended me when, when my friends who I put as my top eight friends, they didn't reciprocate. Yes. (laughs) And like, that was a big deal. And that was a social status sort of thing. And I, yeah, felt, felt very wounded by some of that. And now looking back, yeah, it seems absolutely silly. But in junior high and high school, when you're still not entirely sure who you are and you're not comfortable with who you are and you don't necessarily love yourself for the way that God created you. You put more stock in what other people say and think, and that's, of course, just silly and bogus, but as a as a fifteen year old it's it's everything
0: well as as so, as a fifty yeah. plus year old, uh, when someone follows me on like Twitter or Instagram and I don't follow them back, I feel awkward. I'm like, I hope they don't get offended, but I'm not following them back. I just can't follow everybody. Tom, you're not following me. <laughs> Some of them I don't think I should. They they tend to be uh, young ladies f- who whose names don't match the other names on their account. You know what I mean? You know, yep. fake, fake accounts. Anyway, yep. speaking of fake content online, uh, our third headline uh, is uh, basically it's a, we're a public service. Facebook is not about to make your content public again. Okay, this is 2012. Has shown up with with its hoaxes, ready to foist them on us again. Uh, it's going around. I've I've seen my some of my friends on Facebook sharing it. Facebook isn't going to set tomorrow make your all, everyone's content publicly available unless you post this warning saying Facebook, you're not allowed to. It's not how it's not how the law works. It's not how social media works. And it's not how any any company will work, so um, it's yep. not happening. Uh, and we saw on Instagram it's been spread, too, and even celebrities are not immune to it. We saw a bunch of celebrities yep. were spreading the hoax, so don't spread hoaxes, folks. Uh, all right, so uh, that brings us to our picks of the week. Uh, Father Andrew, what a, what's your pick of the week uh, this week?
1: My pick of the week uh, is a app called Snapseed. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a photo editing app and it's uh, available on Android or iOS. It was developed by by Nick software, which was uh, purchased by Google back in 2012. So Snapseed was actually developed by them prior to that, but it's now owned by Google. So it's a it's a Google app, but it's essentially photoshop but on your phone um to a a much lesser degree and i found it to be just super helpful it does a way better job of of editing adding filters um drawing out it's it's super good with high dynamic range uh filters so hdr filters pulling out different uh, uh brightnesses uh darkness pulling out more vibrant colors those sorts of things and I've just uh we we've had a couple food truck rallies here at the cathedral, and we took some kind of over overarching shots of this of the event, and my pictures looked kind of lame and my uh, buddy, the i t director here at the cathedral, like used snapseed and made them look all vibrant and really cool and and so I had to get the same app as as he <laughs> as he did uh but it's really cool to just draw out colors and stuff and um really just a a good app that does more than what the, what's built into the Photos app or what's built yeah. into Instagram or any of those sorts of things. So Snapseed is my pick of the week.
0: That's a good one. Nick used to be, uh, they used to make Photoshop filters before Google acquired them and some of the best on the market at the time. So they know their stuff with uh, with manipulating photos. So Pat, uh, what's your pick of the week?
2: Well, before I give my pick of the week, I'd like to add on to 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 your pick of Snapseed in the digital legacy area, mm-hmm. because one of the things that one of our uh, people in the class was talking about is we don't have the photos in the shoe box anymore with, with the writing on the back to say who it was in there. So what she's doing and suggesting people do is use Snapseed because it's very easy to put a border along the bottom wow. of the picture and write in. This was Dom and Melanie on at, at their wedding mm. uh, rehearsal. Or whatever. You don't have to put the date on there because your photos got the date, probably. But, you know, put, put the pertinent information right on the photo on the ones that are important. Not all of them, obviously. So Snapseed, she said, was the easiest way to do that. So I believe her.
1: Excellent. Yeah, it, it is super easy. Okay.
2: Excellent. OK, so my pick of the week is the new Apple card, the new Apple credit card. I was on the advanced list of getting a, a, a invite to get it early. And so I took advantage of it and it's super easy to set up. And uh, basically you can uh, set it up on in your wallet on an iPhone and it's, it's kind of got a, a real shimmery color on it when you first set it up. But then as you make purchases, the color changes based upon the type of purchase you make, <laughs> of home, which no. is just <laughs> kind of silly, but it's, it's pretty. It really is. Yeah. And uh, you can find out what your actual uh, CVC code or CVV code and the expiration date and the number right in the app. You can go to a place in there say, I want more information about my card, and it'll show that all to you so that you could then use it on a website that you couldn't otherwise use Apple Pay on. You can also set up a new number. So I'm saying I'm going to a website. I don't know who this vendor is. I'm going to buy it from. Give me a new number so I can use that number and therefore uh, it's a unique it's, number it's, only it's, for
0: that one right. purchase.
2: Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know that it has an expiration on it. But the idea being is you could set up a new number at any point yeah. and and use that. Uh, and it was really easy to make it uh, to go in and, and say, I want that to be the credit card my Apple, my Amazon account uses or something like that, that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, they have something that shows you uh, very visually how much is on your account and and how many days it is before your payment and how much interest you'd be paying if you didn't pay it off by then. And you can make partial payments and, and see what that does to your interest. And uh they don't ship charge late fees, but they could increase interest if somebody had a history of late payments, then they might up right. their interest fee That's a big that. thing.
0: There are no fees on it. No late fees, no annual fee. But but right. you, but like you said, if you don't pay, they'll raise your interest rate and you know, you you you'll end up paying one way or the other.
2: Uh Right. And um, basically the other thing is 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 that even though in the app you can see a list of your purchases. They say Apple does not have a list of those purchases mm-hmm. uh, that they have access to to, so, to track you. Right. They're not tracking you that way.
0: Yeah. And, so, and the, it, the other thing is, is it's always, if you buy something from the Apple Store or Apple, it's th- you get 3% cash back, 2% for all other digital Apple Pay type purchases, and 1% if you use the titanium card, that they, you, the physical card uh you get and i think the back.
2: uh it may be 1% if you're using that card number somewhere online that that's not identified as apple right, pay right right
0: and, and the big benefit is is that it's secure that's just like with apple pay it's a secure service it 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 keeps the number secure uh and that's that's one of the reasons why they want to make it easy for people to get it uh so very good thank you uh so my pick of the week is an airpod case now you might you might wait airpods come with a case But this is a case for the case. I'm going to make a case for my case to have a case. (laughs) So uh, this is hard one uh, experience because I can't tell you how many times I wash pants with my AirPods in the pocket, thus ruining my AirPods. Uh, The first time I did it, the AirPods worked. The second time I did it, the AirPods did not work quite as consistently. (laughs) <laughs> uh and so I I went online I went on Amazon and I found this case and what it is it's a waterproof case. It slips on very tight like a neoprene suit like you're putting a wetsuit on your on your uh, iPod. And what happens is, is the top of it flips open or closed. You kind of peel it back like a like a banana to to open it. But when you and, and it will stay peeled back until you flip it back and then you, you you close it and then you you peel it back up over the top. I don't know if you peel it up, I don't know. Anyway, but you put you put it back, and that's it is it is waterproof, and it also has a something to cover the hole the hole in the bottom for the lightning port. So it's really good. So if you, I, I'm not going to intentionally run it through the wash to Please for don't. you, but it's really good. It also comes with a little carabiner clip on it, and what I do with that is I put a tile on it, one of those tile trackers. See. AirPods, they say, oh, you you could use Find My Phone to find a missing AirPod. Yeah, that's if you've dropped one of the earbuds. But if you drop the case, it doesn't find the case for you. There's no way for it to alert you to the case's location. That's why the tile tracker's on it, because that will take me to the case. So, uh, and it means it's now just a little bulkier enough that I'm not leaving it in my pocket to go through the wash anymore. Uh, So I'm going to suggest that it's... The, there, there are there are a bunch of different cases online. Uh, the one I have it is it's a little a little pricier. It's twenty five dollars, but it's a really good case. And frankly, I'd rather pay twenty five dollars than lose one hundred and fifty dollars. If you know what I mean. Uh, so uh, that's my pick of the week. So before we finish out, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Jimmy C, Ernie M, Clint V, Allison H, and Jeff G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. Uh, that's right, folks. The The con- future of our shows is dependent on people who financially support us so that we can pay the bills and keep doing this. Uh, it's not free for certain. Uh, and you can join them in supporting The Secrets of Technology by going to sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion about these various topics? We do want to hear from you. So you can go to sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Uh, or you can send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. And of course, I'm going to put a whole bunch of links to everything we talked about on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you can help us out, we really would appreciate it if you could go to Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories and write a review of the show. A nice five-star review really helps us out as people are trying to find the next podcast they want to listen to, and they'll see that and your good words, and they'll say, this is the one for us. Or if you want, you can also share the podcast with your friends, and maybe you know some people who really need to hear about the digital legacy information that we've shared with you today. Uh, Please pass that along. We really appreciate it. Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology.
1: Absolutely. You're welcome.
0: Uh, Pat Scott, thank you as well.
2: It's great to be here.
0: And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.